right, thank you. Okay, let's take our Bibles this morning and let's go to the book of Luke, all right? Luke chapter 22 is where we will be. Luke chapter 22 this morning. And uh, as many of you know, by now on Sunday mornings, we're going through the life of Peter and that study, which leads to the next one in First and Second Peter. And I think doing it this way will help aid in our understanding a little bit, a little bit better at least, in uh, the letters that Peter wrote, okay? And so we're going through the life of Peter briefly and before we do that. But as we've been in this study together on Sunday mornings, looking at the life of Peter, we've learned that Peter himself has learned a lot. As he has walked with the Lord Jesus Christ, he has learned a lot uh, about himself. He's learned a lot about others. And of course, he has learned much about Jesus Christ, which is the greatest knowledge of all, by the way, learning more about, about the Lord. And uh, though he has learned much, like many of us, he still has much to learn. And even Peter would say this and remind his readers of the very last thing he said in 2 Peter 3.18, But grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18. Understand, you and I have not arrived yet. All right? I got just a little bit of a ring, fellas. Just a little bit if you help me out. I appreciate it. But you and I have not arrived yet. Uh, we still have much growing to do. We still have much learning to, to do. And I like what one person said. They said, the biggest room in all the world is the room of improvement. I like that. Because uh, we all got something to do, right? As far as growing and learning is concerned, uh, we've not arrived yet. And so was Peter. And so as we move forward in the life and, of Peter and looking at lessons he learned, we began this one last Sunday that we'll finish today. Uh, Peter is learning. He's learning and learned that he and the rest of the disciples are at war. They're in a battle. We began this last Sunday and we'll finish it today. Let's look at our text again in Luke chapter 22. We'll start in verse 31 and go through verse 34, all right? Luke 22, starting in verse 31, the Bible says, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, and that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before that thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. Our fathers, we look it again to your word this morning and as we finish this message, we'll begin last Sunday, I pray. that once again, you arrest our attention and help us to completely zone in on the word of God and what you have for us today. That you do a great work in our lives. That you show us the seriousness of the matter, of this matter of spiritual warfare that we're all in, the battles we all face we thank they're physical. Many times they're really spiritual battles we face. Help us to understand it and to be on guard and to stand in your strength and your strength alone in these battles we face. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And here again in this moment, Peter, whether he realized it or not, Jesus trying to get across to him, whether he realized it or not, that he is in a battle. And the same goes for us. Whether we realize it or not, we are in a battle. We are at 
war. And it's not the war that's taking place overseas or the battles that take place when nation rises up against a nation, but the warfare and the battles that I'm talking about, I believe that Jesus was trying to emphasize, was our spiritual warfare. And this spiritual battle that we all are in, understand we must be on guard. And I believe Jesus is trying to paint how serious this really was. We looked at this last time, not trying to re-preach it, uh, just a simple reminder, but Jesus is trying to let these guys know how serious this battle this spiritual warfare really is. When he used this word, you remember what it was? It starts with a B and ends with a behold. Behold, that's right. When he used that word behold here in verse number 31, when he said, Simon, Simon, behold. Listen, when he used that word, we found out that's in the imperative. He's using it as a command. And he's using it to try to get their attention, trying to arrest their full attention to this fact that, listen, we're in a battle. We're in a war. They're trying to get your attention, let you know, listen, Satan has desired to have you. That may sift you as, as wheat. And at this moment, Peter and the rest of the disciples were about to learn they're in the midst of it. Whether they realized it or not, they had a target on their back. Whether they knew it or not, the devil was after them. And they had better pay attention. Listen, same for you and same for me. We'd better pay attention. We'd better pay attention. Why? Number one, because we saw this, our adversary. Again, I'm not trying to re-preach this. just want to again remind us that our adversary, our enemy, is not your spouse. It is not your kids, kids. It is not your parents. It's not your pastor or your youth pastor or the deacons. It's not even someone that may be sitting across on a different pew from you. It's none of those things. Remember, our adversary... Our enemy is not this, Ephesians 6, 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. 2 Corinthians 10 and verse number 3, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. We are not in a battle against each other. You are not my enemy and I am not yours. Our hand-to-hand combat in this, physical, or this spiritual warfare is not with flesh and blood. It is not with human versus human. No, our enemy in this battle, be reminded, is the devil. But what did Jesus say to Peter? He said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan had desired to have you. Satan is the stinking enemy, all right? He is the adversary. Don't let him cloud your mind into thinking it's anybody else because he is enemy, number one. So understand we are in a battle. We are at war. We need to be on guard. Why? Because of our adversary, number two. Here's another reason why. We need to be on guard because of this, the ambition in this battle. The ambition. Now, what do you mean by this, preacher, when you say ambition in the spiritual warfare that we are in? Well, here's what I mean. Here's what I mean. I'm, I'm talking about the devil's true Desire. Look at verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. Now, when you see this word here in verse 31, this word desire, what comes to mind? Uh, maybe somebody might be thinking of this word desire, more of a negative connotation, uh, like a desire, like a lustful type of desire, or even like a covetous type of uh, desire, or even a greedy type of uh, desire. 
Maybe you're thinking of it in a negative connotation. Maybe you're thinking this word desire, maybe in a positive way. Uh, Like you have a desire to have a better job, to provide a better life for your family. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Or desire to, to be closer to the Lord or to serve Him. I think that's a wonderful desire, by the way, to draw closer to the Lord. Wouldn't you agree? Three of you. Thank you. All right. That's a good thing, the desire to be closer and closer walk with the Lord. Even the Bible says in Psalm 37, verse 4, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and He shall give thee desires of thine heart. And when you delight yourself in the Lord, by the way, your desires change. Why? Because they become more heavenward. They become, those desires become more towards the Lord. The things of God, those desires change because they revolve around the Lord. But here this word desire, it means this. It means to ask, demand, or beg that one may be given up to the power of another. That's what it means here. That's this desire here. Listen, the devil, he wanted these guys so bad. Like a, like a, a pit bull would just be foaming at the mouth to eat that little chihuahua finally, you know. Just wanted him so bad. And by the way, just on a side note here in verse 31, when Jesus said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan had desired to have you. That word you there is not singular, but rather it's plural. So really, the devil wanted all of these guys, not just Peter. He wanted all of them, every single last one. But his desire was, with his intentions were not good. His desirous intentions for these guys were absolutely terrifying and horrendous. Look at verse 31. What's his intentions as he wanted them? Satan had desired to have you, here it is, that he may sift you as wheat. Now at this time, the sifting process to get the wheat from the chaff or to get the wheat off the wheat stalks, during this time, this process was really a violent one, at least for the wheat. (laughs) It was a violent process for those wheat stalks. You see, as they would gather the wheat and bring them into the barn or into the house and put the bushels together, these bushels would be placed on like a, a, a large type of cloth uh, for us today. We would take a, uh, a tarp and lay it out, all right, if we're trying to catch something or whatever. And just trying to say that for your uh, visual reference, all right. They would bring some kind of large cloth in, put these bushels of wheat upon them, and then if they place them upon, upon the cloth, they would take a tool that is called a flail, all right? It's called a flail. And you would begin to commence to threshing or thrashing that wheat. Basically, you take this flail and you would beat the ever-living daylights out of the wheat, all right? That's what you would do as you would uh, uh, sift or if you would take and thresh the, the wheat here. And as you did that, the wheat would fall off onto a large cloth away from the stalks. And then you'd take the, the stalks, remove them, either throw them away or use them as some sort of bedding or something else. But uh, after you gathered the wheat, the good stuff that fell off the stalks, that is, you would then begin to even refine it even more. And how would they do that? Well, they would run the already fallen off wheat through a, a sieve. Yeah, this would be more like a strainer, all right? Anybody have a strainer in your kitchen? Uh, yeah, okay, you strain stuff, you, you threw liquid, whatever, but you have a strainer. So it's kind of like that idea, all right? Uh, but they would take this and run it through the wheat. They would take the wheat and run it through a sieve and put the wheat in there and do this. They would shake it. They would shake it very vigorously, very violently as to have the, the good uh, usable wheat left. 
So they would beat the stalks, take the wheat, shake it so violently. And that's the process of sifting. That's quite a process. It really is, as you think about it. Now picture this process of sifting, but instead of thinking of the wheat, it's you. (laughs) As an individual. Uh, This is the process in which the devil desire for you. That's the sifting. He wants you. He wants to sift you. He's desiring to sift and strain you. He's desiring to beat you and to shake you, to beat you down and to shake you up in order to torment, listen, to vex, the Bible word, torture, and ultimately to destroy you. This is his desire. It really is. He has so many ways of accomplishing this, by the way. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand or be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Uh, that word wiles in the Greek is methodia. It means methods or crafts or tricks or plans. His deceiving trickery and his methods, listen, are without end. He has so, so many. So many. He will use methods like pride and lust and fear, and anger, and doubt, unforgiveness, bitterness, unbelief, greed, gossip, divisions, whatever. He will use these wiles, these methods in order to shake you up, to swallow you down. I'm telling you, his ambition is so horrendous, I'm not doing it justice enough to paint how horrific it really is. He wants to destroy us. As the Bible says in Luke 22, verse 31, Satan had desire to have you. He may sift you as wheat. He wants to destroy us so he may devour us, as later on Peter would say in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number, number 8. So again, here's the ambition of the devil. His desire is this, to shake you up so he can swallow you down. I don't know about you. That sounds pretty serious. You think it's pretty serious this morning? I think it's very serious. Yet many times we don't treat it as such. We don't think it's that serious. We don't think his ambition, his desire for us is really, eh, whatever. (laughs) No, that's what he wants you to think. That's what he wants you to think. He wants you to be off guard so you can find his foothold in your life or crack in the door in your life so he can shake you up and swallow you down. That's what he wants to do. Our adversary, the devil, wants you so he can destroy you. But be on guard. Be on guard. Now, I don't want to... uh, Leave you on a down note this morning because, folks, as believers, once you understand something, we are not overcome, but rather we are overcomers. You can say amen right there. You ain't going to hurt my feelings, all right? We are overcomers. Why? Because we're so strong and amazing? No, not at all. Because our God, our Savior, our Lord is so strong and amazing and all-powerful. 
As the Bible says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 through 15, And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross, and having spoiled, I love that word, having spoiled, which means disarmed or stripped, what he spoiled, what he disarmed, what he stripped, principalities and powers. He made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Listen, understand something. When the Lord Jesus died on the cross, He paid the penalty for your sin and mine and at the same time satisfied the wrath of the Father that our sin deserved and three days later rose again from the grave with the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And what He did is this in that moment. He made a show of them, meaning our enemy, openly triumphing over them in it. And what He did. It's like this. It had been like a victor's parade, like a military general after he goes to battle and goes to war, comes back home. And it's like a big parade, a victorious parade down Main Street showing that he's the victor and they're the losers. And that's exactly what he did when he rose from the grave. Gave us victory. So listen, we do war, we do battle, as I mentioned last Sunday, but not for victory, but rather from it. Because Jesus has won the victory. Yet we still battle from time to time, do we not? We still have our battles. We still are in a warfare, spiritual warfare. But I want to echo what Paul said. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. But still we face these things, as he said. We face these battles from time to time. So I want to leave you with this one, all right? Lastly. Not only do we see our adversary in the war, not only do we see his ambition in this war, but lastly and thirdly, I want to see our armor, our armor in this war. Look at our armor. I love what Jesus said here in verse number uh, 32. After he told the disciples of the devil and after he told the disciples of his horrendous desire, and by the way, I don't know about you, but if Jesus was telling me this, uh, sitting around with these guys saying, look, Satan had desire to have you, I'd be scared to death. I really would. I'd be terrified. But then he speaks these peaceful, wonderful words to the heart and ears of these men. Look at it with me in verse 32. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Let me ask you a question. It's a very easy answer. Let me ask you a question. Who is it that is speaking to Peter at this moment and said, but I have prayed for thee? Easy Sunday school answer. It is Jesus. That's right. Good job, class. That's who it is. It's Jesus is speaking. And Jesus at this moment is letting these guys know that he is their only defense against the devil. That he is their only armor in this battle against the enemy. And I know some may be thinking, when you think of the armor, your mind automatically goes to Ephesians chapter number 6. And pastor, are we not to use that armor? Are we not to put on that armor? Absolutely we are. You better believe it. And I encourage you to put Ephesians 6 in the margin of your Bible there in Luke chapter, uh, chapter 30. I'm sorry, chapter 22 and verse 31. Uh, put Ephesians chapter 6 there starting in verse number 10. Put it there. 
And then cross-reference later and see the armor that we're talking about. But you'd better put on that armor. Yes, absolutely. Every piece of that armor, we need it. And we looked at every piece of that armor a couple of years ago when we went through a study on spiritual warfare here at, here at church. We, went, we looked at every piece of armor in detail. I'm not going to go into details of the armor today. But I do want to ask you this as we think of our armor. When it comes to our armor, who does the armor point to? Who, who does the armor encompass? Who is it that is the truth in the belt of truth? Who is it that is the righteous in the breastplate of righteousness? Who is the gospel of peace talking about? Who is that gospel talking about? Who is that faith that we have faith in when it talks about the shield of faith? Who is the salvation when it comes to the helmet of salvation? Who is the Word of God? And what does the Word of God talk to, or talk about rather, and point to as it deals with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God? Every piece of that armor deals with who? Jesus. It points to the Lord Jesus. He is our only hope. He is our only way in this spiritual battle. He is the only way to fight and to overcome. He is our only defense. It is only through Him. Jesus is. Yet many times we rely on our own strength, do we not? We do. Our own intellect, our own wisdom, our experience, whatever it may be. I can do this. I think I got it. Ah, and until finally you don't. <laughs> and you finally come to the Lord who has it already. You rely on His strength. The Bible says this in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Now this word be strong here, it means to be strengthened, to receive strength, to increase in strength. But how do we increase in strength? How do, we, how do we receive strength? Is it because we go to the gym five, six, seven days a week to pump iron to get strength? No. Bodily exercise profits little. Amen. <laughs> that was a joke. We, sh- we should take care of ourselves. So anyway. <laughs> but is that, is that how we gain strength? Is that how we receive strength and be strengthened? Or is it gain strength in our mind as we study and as we know and as, well, no, knowledge puffeth up. There's nothing wrong with studying. We should. We should be students of the Word of God, but not just for knowledge only, but to know Him, you see. So how do we gain strength? How do we increase in strength? How do we do that? Well, the strength we're talking about is in him. I need, a, I need a volunteer. Anybody got a volunteer? Anybody? Anybody under uh, 12 years old? Kenny. You're not under 12, Kenny. All right. No volunteers. No. Ezra, you want to help me? Well, come on up here, man. Come on. You come up here. Come on. Awesome. You look like a very strong dude. Are you pretty strong? Ah, oh, I love it. Well, come on up here. Show these guys your muscles, all right? Awesome. Show them how strong you are. Okay. That's awesome. I like it. Yeah. You want to do arm wrestling right here? Just kidding. No, you'll win. I don't want to. Okay. All right. Here's what I want you to do. This right here. You know what this is? What is that? Toothpick. 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 That's right. Good job. It's a toothpick. You think you can break that? Mm -hmm. Let me see. 
You are strong. Man, okay, let me have that one. You think you can break another one? Let me see. You are strong, man. Good job. All right, stay here. Don't move. I got something for you. All right. Now, what is this? That is a nail. That screw. Close. That is a three-inch decking screw. See if you can break it. Come on. I thought you said you were strong. Come on, Ezra. All right. I can't break it either. Hey, don't worry about it. All right. We can take it to the saw and cut it in half and show how real strong we are, okay? Now, toothpick, you broke several of them already. It's a screw, right? Couldn't break the screw, though, could you? So the screw is going to represent, in this sermon illustration, Jesus. All right? The toothpick, how weak it is and brittle it is, represents us, especially in our battle that we face. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to keep this toothpick attached to this screw. All right? You can't take the toothpick off. You've got to keep it on there. I forgot my rubber band over my office. All right, I have a rubber band, okay? But anyway, but the toothpick's going to stay on there. Now, I want you to try to break the toothpick now. Can you think you can? Try to break it without taking it off. You can't take it off. It's, it's bound by the word of God in prayer. Break it. Come on now. No, I know it's too hard. It's okay. It's a trick. Thank you for your help. All right? Appreciate it. Give him a round of applause, would you? (laughs) That's good. What I'm getting at when it comes to this strength we're talking about this morning is as this screw represents the Lord Jesus and this toothpick is very brittle, we all used them, I'm sure, represents the believer What happens when you bound this toothpick to this screw, what happens is this. It assumes, the toothpick does, assumes the strength of the screw. When you tie your life into Lord Jesus Christ, you're no longer operating in your power and your strength. But you are operating by faith and the strength and power of of Lord Jesus Christ who is the God of all glory who is the almighty who has the keys of death, hell and the grave he owns it all there's no one stronger you see we face these battles do we not? my goodness we face them I wish we didn't one day we won't one day we won't but we do while we still have breath in this body and we still lived in this Sin-cursed earth, we're going to face them. But friends, listen, you don't have to face them in your own strength. You don't have to face them in your own power. No, you have a source of, of, of power you tap into. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. And we, we battle in the power of His, His strength. In His mighty Power. The Bible says again in Ephesians chapter, uh, chapter number, number 6 and verse number 10. Actually, turn it with me. I want you to see it so you can highlight it, underline it, all you can do. All right? Turn it with me so you can see it yourself. I want you to see it. But Ephesians chapter number 6, <clears throat> and look at it with me. Maybe you can circle these words. Maybe it'll help you come back to them a little later. <clears throat> but look at them with me. Ephesians chapter 6. Verse number 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong, here it is, circle these words, in the Lord. And in the power of, here it is, His might. 
His power is no end. His might is exceeding. It's exceeding. It's, it's so vast we can't even imagine. Even Jesus said as he was going back to heaven, he says, I have, I have all power in heaven and in earth. He is all powerful. And as we battle in his might and in his way, we can be victorious. Why? Because he's already the victor. We can battle. Every day we can face battles and we can do so, not in our own strength, but in the power of God and the power of His name. The Bible says in Proverbs 18, verse 10, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. We can battle in the power of the Word of God. Listen, without the Word of God, we wouldn't know the very extent even of His mighty power. Listen, we went through the miracles of Christ some time back now, but in each one we looked at, we saw the very power of Jesus, the very power of God Almighty. Listen, you can see for yourself how powerful He is through the Word of God and through the power, listen, of prayer. Listen, spiritual battles are only fought spiritually. Pretty deep, isn't it? <laughs> but it's so true. Spiritual battles are only fought spiritually, and therefore, how do you fight them? On your knees. The Bible says in Luke chapter 18, verse 1, He spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Again, this word faint means to be utterly spiritless, to be of complete exhaustion. But what's the absolute opposite of exhaustion or absolute opposite of spiritless? We would say, well, great strength and great rest. Well, where do you get it? Where do you get strength and rest when you're absolutely, utterly spiritless? You find it in prayer. That's the opposite of fainting. It's praying. It is praying. Listen, strength in prayer is where we get it. It is as we are with the Lord and in prayer. Kenny, turn to, um, turn to Acts 4, if you will. You, you have your Bible. Kenny, have your Bible open. Man, it's church. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he does. I'm just giving him a hard time. Acts chapter 4, verse 31. And I want you to read it really loud. Use your preaching voice, okay? And read it really loud. Go. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken, they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. Boldness. They spake the word of God with boldness. That sounds like strength to me, especially in the context of that portion of Scripture. They were under great scrutiny and under threat of the enemy to stop preaching the name of the Lord. Stop it. What they do? Where they get their strength from? When they had prayed. The place was shaken, filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word with boldness. Sounds pretty strong to me. Where'd they get their strength? Prayer. Spending time with the Lord Jesus Christ. Just like the little brittle toothpick. Assuming the strength and power of that screw it could be broken. Same as with us. As we join ourselves, we come close to God. Draw nigh to the Lord. He will draw nigh to you. You will find the strength you need to face these battles. I'm telling you, you will. He will never leave us 
nor forsake us. So let me ask you a question this, this morning. How's the battle? How's the battle you're facing? Been struggling lately to gain the victory? Been struggling lately to gain the victory? Stop doing it in your own power and strength. Stop trying to do it yourself. And start depending upon the Lord. That comes as we start praying. And you can start now. Every head bowed, every eye closed. No one looking around this morning, please. I want to ask you, dear Christian, your believer this morning, you know Jesus as your Savior. You know him. And with a by testimony with uplifted hand, you say, Pastor, I know the Lord is my Savior. Is that you? Lift up your hand with mine. Thankful to know Jesus, not ashamed of it. Amen. Put him down. Let me ask you, dear Christian, are you struggling in the battle? You say, Pastor, I'm struggling. I get it. I do. Especially when we try to do it on our own. We try to do it with our own power, strength, wisdom, experience, this, that, and the other. And instead of relying upon the Lord and His grace that is sufficient and His power that is all-encompassing, I mean, it's all-powerful. I want to encourage you this morning, if you're struggling, to bring it to the Lord. It starts by prayer and in prayer. It really is that simple. It starts there. It really is. And leaving that moment, just complete confidence in the Lord, faith in the Lord, not just believing a fact, but believing a man, that is Jesus, our great Savior, our great God. Having complete confidence in Him to help you. Again, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, My brethren, be strong in the Lord. The power of His might that begins. 